Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to the Building Sustainability Podcast with me, Jeffrey Hart. Every fortnight, join me as I talk to designers, builders, makers, dreamers, and doers. Together, we can explore the wide world of sustainability in the built environment by talking to wonderful people who are doing excellent things. Hello and a very warm welcome to episode 101. It is currently June the 27th, 2023, which happens to be my 40th birthday. As a special birthday treat for myself, I have just an incredible episode for you. This episode's guests are the wonderful Joe Bolton and Matt Whitaker of Abundant Earth. Uh, what is Abundant Earth? Uh, so taken from their website, we are a workers co-op and as a community, we work and teach on a patch of land just outside of Durham City. Our passions include organic veg growing, permaculture and crafts. So if you've ever wondered what it's like to create an intentional community from the ground up, then this is the episode for you. It was such a joy to talk with Joe and Matt. They are both incredibly lovely, delightful, humble people, and also unbelievably skilled craftspeople. Uh, I have a willow backpack uh, that I got from Joe a few years back. That is one of my all-time favourite things. And I have this gorgeous pint mug from Matty uh, that he turned on the pole lathe that accompanies me everywhere I go. I've put links to their Instagram accounts in the show notes. I thoroughly recommend you go and check them out. I could go on and on about how great these two are and indeed how great everyone at Abundant Earth is. But you're going to figure that out for yourself over the next hour. Um, I should say that this is actually the first of two episodes with Joe and Matt. The next one will be out in a couple of weeks um, and has them talking about the construction of their glorious straw bale house, where this episode was recorded, in fact. Uh, before we get into the episode, time to thank new patrons. If you want to support the podcast, you can 
financially support it uh, through the Patreon site, patreon.com forward slash building sustainability. New supporters this month are Tristan Wooler. Thank you, Tristan. Alexis, who has gone in at the spoon level. So I will be carving a spoon for you, Alexis. Uh, I hope I'm saying your name right. We've got Eric Weaver. Uh, We've got Matt Stevenson also getting himself a spoon. Matt was on the podcast at Future Build. Uh, Matt is doing really great things with Timber. And uh, we've also got Benjamin Algar. So thank you so, so much to all of you, the new patrons, and of course, the existing supporters. Uh, You really do help to support the podcast, uh, no matter how much you give. And of course, all of you get yourself loads of great bonus content. So again, if you'd like to support, then head over to patreon.com forward slash building sustainability, or find a link in the show notes. Uh, I thought I would catch up on some of the reviews that have come in. Um, (laughs) How do I feel about reading this one out? Uh, you'll, I guess you'll see why I'm hesitant. Um, five stars, the best podcast around. I've never written a review for a podcast, but this one is so good that everyone should listen. Building sustainability is a gateway drug into all things sustainability, building, craft, technology, and I love the variety. Jeffrey is a font of knowledge, mm. <laughs> but, but so humble. And I want to thank him for the podcast and my beautiful handcrafted spoon. Seriously, what more could you want from a podcast? Uh, (laughs) Is it the act of a humble man to read out that? (laughs) Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much for that review. Um, The reviews really do help uh, get more people listening. Um, so if you do have a chance to leave a review, certainly on Apple podcasts, uh, it's really helpful. I was actually going to read out a whole bunch of these, uh, cause I've not kept up with them, but you keep saying really nice things about me personally. Uh, so I think I'll only do one per episode. <laughs> um, what else to say? Netcom craft school, uh, is progressing. Uh, we have leveled the site. Uh, flattened out a little spot in the woods uh, where our craft school is going to be nestled in. We've got all of the chestnut poles on site and uh, we're just waiting for a little break in our schedule and uh, myself and Mike, who you might remember from the Christmas episode, will begin framing the structure. So very excited. Um, Earth floors, I've got some really exciting earth floors lined up that I can't really talk about, but as soon as I can, I will be shouting about them because they're pretty exciting Mm, i think that's about it from me i should just get out of your ears i will be back at the end of the podcast to remind you to share this episode with everyone you know but until then enjoy the delightful yet very real and honest conversation with joe bolton and matt whittaker ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Uh, intentional community, I suppose it would be called. We all got together just after university years. Some of us made it through university, most of them. Uh, I didn't. But we all met at that time. Did you meet at university? Uh, three of us did, and then I met Joe later on. I'd been living in a community in Spain and and moved back to this country because of some relationship issues over there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, met Matt and Beth and Wolf and, yeah, came part of the project great mm. we were all living in cabins at that time as well outside newcastle they after the second world war they'd set up loads of these little cabins in woodlands along sides of fields where people could escape all the devastation of the of the town i suppose mm. and nobody wanted them back then. They're just rows of these cabins that were some of them falling down I think yours you got for free you had to pay two years back rent uh, I, Ian Wilf bought one we paid I think we paid £500 each which was a lot of money to us but yeah. it then meant we were we had a home it was knackered it needed redoing lovely ones in the middle of the woodlands so yeah. we were all living in in those at the time um, I mean they sound idyllic Mm. They're amazing. Why yeah. didn't you stay there? It's it, it's quite the ah, I see. <laughs> it's rented and it's a big landowner, so you really you could only be there for part of the year, so you weren't allowed to live there. Uh-huh. Although the people that managed our site were happy for a couple of people to live there, mm-hmm. so we lived there for about six years, I think. Mm. But they're beautiful. There's some down by the river. I think there's a four or five sets of them in Northumberland. Mm-hmm. But they gave a taste of life what it what it could be like mm-hmm. if you didn't have loads of bills coming yeah. in that made you work and pay those bills all of the time and get you into this cycle of you know not having enough space to create and explore and all of that. So it was quite a, quite a moment when I discovered them. Definitely, just to have that freedom to to sit back, create, think about what you want to do. Perhaps you know that's a that end just you know five pound a year water rent it was and 200 quid a year on land rent that was it that was your bills you know? wow yeah brilliant and we built we got to build our own home mm. and have our yeah. own electricity be completely off grid experiment with building experiment with different technology in terms of power so, yeah really creative start yeah we did dream that all our friends moved into all of the cabins <laughs> and then we bought the field in the middle and made an amazing forest garden and community space. It would have been amazing. That's, that's <laughs> <idyllic. incredible>. <laughs> <laughs> mm. And it has happened a little bit, actually, down at uh, Whittledean, Wilf and Beth, they lived, we lived up on top 
in the plains, uh, up in the farmers' fields. But then if you went down into the valley, there was this place called Whittledean, mm. which is the most beautiful old coppice oak hazel woodland from Roman times and far back beyond that, I would have thought. Uh, they live down there, and just recently they've that's been bought out from the landowners, and it's now part owned by the people that live down there and part owned by the Woodland Trust. So that, that kind of dream mm. that we had of, you know, owning it and making it into a community is actually beginning 20-odd years later. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that's how we started. That's we, We'd all met, we'd all bought this, and we also had begun uh, to put money aside, a mm-hmm. heavy amount of £10 a week. We'd started a group, fundraising, looking for land, asking people if they wanted to join, that kind of thing. So I had all these meetings where sometimes there'd be just the four or five of us. Sometimes the group would swell to 40. Crazy dynamics would go on. People would splinter off and mm-hmm. then decide actually what they wanted with co-housing, not farming. And so we had two or three years of that, didn't we? Mm. Lots of newsletters and just looking for land, just yeah. trying to get that intentional community sorted. And developing a group of people around us. So we bought this land with completely with loans, none of our own money, so there was, we did a presentation to groups of people that wanted to support us, asking for support, financial support. Mm-hmm. And we were given, and the land cost us, what was 35 grand or something like that? 31, yeah. So we got all the money from friends and gradually paid it back with no interest over 10 years. Wow, wonderful. Mm-hmm. And so how did you find the land? The yellow admag. A friend of ours, Leo, <laughs> found it in the yellow admag. Right. Which, for people that don't know, the yellow oh, yes. admag was like in the eBay in paper form. <laughs> it had wanted uh, and for sale sections on just about everything. Yeah. Tools, sheds, greenhouses, babies, prams, clothes, land, cars. Um, yeah, and we've been looking for land for ages. We've yeah. seen loads of bits. We were out of the Pine Valley for buying land because it's really expensive there. So we'd come to County Durham because land was cheap. Um, there's a lot of, you know, old mining communities. Um, it was much cheaper here. So someone phoned us up, a friend, and said, oh, you should look in the back of the yellow bag. There's a bit of land for sale. And we just had our first child. Wilf and Beth actually went to see it. I'd just given birth yeah. about a day before. So Wilf and Beth went to see it and they phoned us up. And said, uh, yeah, it's great. So they started the process without us even seeing it. Because we had a a criteria. Must be near town, public transport. Because we wanted to do all this outreach with kids and grow vegetables. Sell them and that kind of stuff. So so that's how we found it, yeah. Brilliant. A mixture of luck and just keeping looking. Well, perseverance by the sound of it. Yeah, Mm. yeah, I suppose so. (laughs) And so, so it was the two... Two families that... Two families and another individual, Ian, who you might have met at Northern Bowl, doing all that water. Uh, those five of us. Great. Mm. And how, like, what, what were the aims? Like, you sort of spoke a, a little bit about food and outreach and things like that. We, I think we all had quite different... We were very good at drawing up uh, a vision of what we wanted, so... We all had different visions. Um, we have a vision document even. Uh, so we, we, we cr- wanted to create really something different. So 
uh, Wilf's a permaculture teacher. So his ideas were about developing teaching and and his design work. Uh, yes. So we did lots of different crafts. So Beth was doing some felting. We, For me, basket making, growing willow, teaching yoga. Matt was being Matt, your ciders. So it was kind of wanting to be wanting to live very closely connected to the land, be inspired by the land uh-huh. and let it nourish and nurture us. So, so it kind of, yeah, we had our kind of projects that we wanted to do, but really just be embedded, let those projects come from, from our life here, living in the woods, getting to know the place that we are, I think. Yeah, that connection to the land was definitely the base where it all sat and came from. Wanting to kind of be able to plant trees and and tend them mm-hmm. and, grow and eat the fruit and have our children, because we had young families. I think both families had, our boys were about two, one and a half, two when we moved here. Mm-hmm. So wanting to grow food to sustain our families that was connected to the earth and sensitive to the the needs of the earth. So have really good food, have more children, experiment with living in community. Mm-hmm. And that side has been dramatic because our lives are in the Western world. We have spent so much kind of building walls around ourselves, being mm-hmm. individuals. And it feels like that actually the journey that we've had here, so much of it has been part of, being a community, trusting, communicating, learning to communicate with each other in our families, in our couples, and as a, a, and in the wider community. Mm-hmm. So we also income share as well, which has been a huge number to grow with that grew out of... How did it come about, was the yeah. really interesting thing there, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Shall I talk about that? Yes, now? please do. So I think we were all doing different work. So I was doing, I was the landscape architect for a while. So I was doing some design work <clears throat> in schools and I did quite a lot of living mellow stuff. Uh, there was other, others were doing kind of work outside of the community that generates huge, quite a lot of income. And it was in particular, the sort of imbalance seemed to be, because Matt, we got lots of grants. I, I was hedgehog. You were hedge laying. On a grant, and it was 20 pence an hour at best, you know. Right. Yeah. Other people were going out. We bought this land together, look after the land. Yeah. Uh, other people were going out earning 20, 30 pounds an hour. And it was the person that earned most money at the time that really came up with the idea yeah. of just pooling it mm. and then sharing it back out again. And there had been a bit of friction before that happened, hadn't there? It was just that, you know what money's like. It just, yes. It twists things horribly. And, you know, despite having this idyll and everything we wanted, suddenly this pressure of money distorting everything and being an inequality is happening. And, and how so do we by sorting it out, yeah. it immediately got rid of that. It was instant. As soon as that was decided, yes, that's what we're going to do. So all money that came into the community, because we also had young children. Mm-hmm. So some of us looking after the children, going out to work. So the imbalance that would happen in a family anyway. So it's kind of how do we expand out that self, that interdependence and also some kind of independence as well. 
So we every so everybody earns the same amount of money. It doesn't matter if you're looking after the kids at home or in a high-paid job working for some big customer. So it's all the same. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how many hours you work either. So that developing of trust has been really important. And maintaining of it as well. Yeah. It still happens today. Yeah. And things have changed radically, you know. We're, we're no longer... Because back in the beginning, we were we were living together. We were in yurts and geodomes. We had an outdoor kitchen. And we worked on everything. You know, we, we got here, the field was just a field. There was no, no track in. There was one building that was the goat shed. That became the... The place where the, the vegetables were sorted when they were grown, you and Beth sorted out uh, the fledgling business in the garden, which is now one of the, the backbones of what we do here. The veg box scheme goes out every week from there. You know, So all of these things were being sorted out. We were living together, working together all the time. And it seemed perfect solution and was a perfect solution. But as we've grown 20 years later, you know, mm-hmm. there's... At the moment, there's a discussion, does this work for us still? Right. Um, because we no longer work quite with each other in the same way. You know, yeah. We've all got our little areas. and you know, So it's still an ongoing discussion and still an important thing. And, <clears throat> and it works. But I think you know, it's like anything in life. It's, it, it can stay static and then all of a sudden it, it needs to change. Yeah. And you, you haven't really noticed that it needed to change so at the moment there's a discussion and it's lively and it's hard and it's difficult at times and we're really good at reaching out for help we've got we're part of co-ops uk so we've got support from co-ops uk to some funding to receive some mentorship some coaching in in other ways our financial model might shift and change and some team coaching as well and beth has just uh qualified as their NBC trainer. So oh, great. Nonviolent communication coming into our meetings has been incredible. Mm-hmm. So we've been on a massive journey together over 20 odd years. Uh, yeah. And still here and I think fighting. <laughs> it seems to me. Um, can, I, can, I ask, can I just sort of get clear in my head um, the, the, the finance bit? So is it if you do sort of work outside that money comes into the community into the pot but then work you're doing on the land is paid for so you're sort of paid out of that pot is that right yeah yeah and you're all paid the same and it doesn't matter how much yeah you know individuals bring yeah yeah wealth does our accounting and so different areas of the business are, are we can see which areas of the business are bringing what they're bringing in and what's going out, mm-hmm. but it still all goes into the big umbrella. Yeah, and we receive a small income. Great. And then we've got work that is communal work, land work here, looking yeah. after the land. You know, yeah, coppice and firewood, uh, working on the track so that people can come in and out. Uh, yeah, so all of that work doesn't get any money paid from it. It right. doesn't earn any money. Yeah. Uh, so that's supported by the business and the community. And we've always homeschooled as well our kids, mostly homeschooled our kids. So that's also, you know, really wanting to support that journey as well. 
Great. Uh, sorry, I'm following a slight practicality tangent, but I do want to come back to mm. the, the sort of community. Um, so, what are the, the the avenue or the what are the incomes? What are the different ways that, that this place is actually? So, my income streams. Are, I'm a yoga teacher, uh, so I do a couple of classes, and I, I'm also doing some training at the moment in somatic experiencing really interested in yeah bodies how we work what we hold so that's one which is completely not land related and then my other is I'm a basket maker Mm -hmm. so I teach and I am making baskets for lots of different people in lots of different ways commissions um mostly commissions actually stalls fairs but mostly commissions. Oh, and I can say, so the other two streams that are coming in, so Beth and Will, so Beth uh, Beth and I began the veg box scheme mm-hmm. probably about 15, 18 years ago, um, which has developed over the years. She's now, she's just stepped out of that and she's doing more of her nonviolent communication. So that's lots of different streams from there. Mm-hmm. Will... Uh, when we had the children, Wilf came in to help in the garden. So he is now running the kind of the box scheme side of it. And we had a volunteer that came in a couple of years ago who uh, to support some building work. So we we are part of Woof, or were part of Woof, the a work, willing workers on organic farms. But we were taking volunteers for longer periods of time. So... The she stayed. Lauren stayed. She's been with us for four years and is now managing the garden. She, As Beth stepped out, she took over the management of it. She's doing the growing side of things. <clears throat> yeah. So Lauren's managing the growing. Wilf is managing the book scheme itself. Mm. And then um, I'm green woodworking, mostly. Uh, well, not mostly, actually. A lot of green woodworking here on site, Uh coppicing, looking after the woodland, fruit trees, lots of apples last year, and then a bit of blacksmithing, lots of teaching. I've taught a lot of a lot of children over the years and worked in various places that uh, yeah, maybe there's people that have been excluded from schools, maybe they've got mental health problems. Um, that's dipped a little, but uh, we're getting back into that doing stuff with uh, people just left prison going into prison soon that's kind of really nourishing stuff uh, also blacksmithing saw milling green building uh, lots of timber frames both here and outside earth houses straw bale houses all of it really informed by what's needed to be done here and then I need to make money mm-hmm. and take it out that people have asked for. So uh, kind of chops and changes for me, really, just the ebbs and flows of what comes in and uh, what I really fancy doing yeah. as much as anything as well. You know? But those are those are the core things. Brilliant. It's really interesting, the sort of mix between very practical things and very, uh, what's the word, like sort of like NVC and, you know, it's mm. the soft skills, I think they're, mm. they're called. Um, interesting to mix the 
Yeah, I think as we've got older, it's definitely there's been a shift. <laughs> the hard physical lifestyle. Um, I think yeah, look, just looking slightly wider, and maybe just a different pers- how we perceive what's important. You know, mm-hmm. I think the how our communities developed. And the importance of our communication has been so clear uh, that actually, yeah, the priorities may be slightly an age. We've just had this 20-year anniversary as well, haven't we? We have. And that, that, I think, was kind of a focal point, certainly. You know, we've got to this point where our children are, are quite old. Yeah. In that they're becoming very independent. One of our boys has left home. The other is, you know, nearly 16 and... He's off doing his own stuff. Whereas the previous 20 years we've been here, is they've been very dependent on us and we've been setting up this place to live and work yeah. and, and be. So at this 20 years, yeah. it's been, for me, it's been very interesting. Just, okay, we've done 20 years of wonderful stuff. It's been hard, it's been great. And now, actually, what do I want to do? It, we've kind of felt all four of us have, just being able to sit back and think, okay, we don't just have to keep on ploughing forwards with what we're doing. It's, there's also stuff that we need to feed inside ourselves. And mm-hmm. as long as you know, it fits in with the land and doesn't doesn't harm that in any way, it's what actually do we want to do taking it forward, and both I think it comes, personally and, yeah. and community-wise. Yeah. And maybe, maybe starting to look slightly wider at just wanting a better world, mm. you know, seeing the struggles that people are having. For me, that's, it's my, my new training is really taking me, that's where that comes from, really wanting to be in service to the wider world rather than just our little space here. Mm-hmm. I, I had a moment when I was uh, out in the States and I was travelling around and learning strawbell building and then I had this real urge to actually... I needed to make the world better, like the world that I knew that I grew up with. Uh, mm. And I needed to come home and, and actually, you know, start putting out there. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, that sharing mentality. Mm. That, you know, you've found this amazing thing and it, it is making positive ripples in, in society, immediately around you, your friends and your family. And... Being able to to offer that further mm. is giving the world an amazing, an amazing thing. How how can you take that to other people? Yeah. How can it how can it help them as well in a way? You know, re-enfranchising people with skills and abilities that have been lost through many of our systems that we've set up in society. You now, for me, that was one of the things that. I was heavily into when we bought this bit of land was going into schools and teaching kids there uh, and seeing the design technology lab ripped out. And that for me was a very formative thing. You know, Mm. I had forges, we had an old car that people could take to bits. We had, you know, clay for modeling, all of these things that were now covered in bits of health and safety tape, like do not touch unsafe. And it it ripped the heart out of me. Mm. You know, I was enfranchised. I was, told that I was a human being that could make and do things and get in in the world I could I could do these things by myself and all I saw was I mean it wasn't totally true but in my 20s you know I saw almost black and white that that the education system was ripping that out of people 
And in order to make these things, you had to go and ask someone else who had been trained properly and you were no longer able to do these things. That, that re-enfranchisement of being able to give that to world is an important thing with whatever your passion is, whether it's somatic experience, or permaculture, or earth floors for yourself. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to come back to that. I'm, I'm sort of slightly wandering us all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. the, we were talking about communication in in the pandemic. How do you have, I've written down the word, which I really don't think is the right word. I wrote down governance, uh, which mm. probably isn't <laughs> what you, the right the right term. But did, did you sort of set up a, a way to talk or a way to make decisions or a way to sort of communicate or an intention? We didn't. <laughs> right. We didn't. And I think we were, we have... Am I right in saying that we haven't, have we? Until until oh, we did more we, recently. No. I mean, we set up all sorts of we systems have, for land management, and we yeah. have always had a weekly meeting. Yeah, because we found that, especially when we when we stopped living together, so we were all living in the same house for a while, which was quite intense. But when we separated out, it became more important to to have a meeting time. Mm-hmm. So we have weekly meetings. Um, and yeah, we have more recently become clearer about what to do in conflict. So mm-hmm. Beth and I have both done some conflict uh, training, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and and we're, so we are better now. I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. sure. We... There, there have been. Uh, I was in my twenties when I moved here, and you know a lot of stress going on for you know trying to build somewhere to live and there were times when you know we stood in fields shouting at each other you know where right. all reason just broke down uh, and um, we didn't have any systems of how to sort that out and until recently with especially Joe's training and Beth's training and bringing that into the group it has sometimes been very messy mm-hmm. um, yeah. We're very good at coming back together yeah. and just saying, okay, <clears throat> need to come, we need to resolve this or come back and just have another conversation about it. Mm-hmm. The land is owned in trust. So we are kind of rent our little part in it to build our houses. So we're so invested in this project. Nobody's going anywhere. So we have a commitment to each other to work things through. Mm-hmm. And we're getting better at it. But we are hugely learning all the time. And we didn't have the skills to start with. Yeah. You know, they hadn't been taught to us. No. I, I lived in an estate when I was a child and neighbours said hello when you passed them. That was about it. Mm-hmm. Build higher walls if you don't like people that live next door. Yeah, it's a massive journey. Mm. And we're working on it. So, And the current situation is we are having help from Co-ops UK uh, funded support. Yeah. Is there anything you wish you'd done differently? We'll be back after a quick break. If you're looking for all things BMX racing, you've found the right podcast. 
Here at Lane 8 BMX Podcast, I'll speak to the local racer, the national racer, and even the Olympic level racer. I'm talking kids to the weekend warriors and much more. So get comfortable, turn up the volume, and remember to snap on green. Hmm, interesting question, Jeffrey. In terms of anything in particular? I guess it's sort of on that, um, you know, community, organisation, communication. I think I would, I would have, it would have been so helpful if we'd found support earlier. Right. And really um, looked at that. Which, Just for, for getting um, an external... Yeah, voice and yeah, having a a framework to uh, to better communication, better understanding, resolve conflict. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because conflict always happens, whether it's in just a mild disagreement of uh, a way to plant cabbages or serious breakdown in trust. Sometimes, you know. Mm -hmm. Whatever the the issue is, there's, there's always a bit of conflict. It's community, and, but it's if you can sort it out reasonably, <clears throat> without it getting toxic, then it's a lot easier to to move through. Mm-hmm. Didn't really have any of those skills. And as part of our course, it was really clear that talk, uh, that conflict isn't isn't it can become toxic. Yeah. But what we what we what we need to get to is the idea that it's inevitable. It's not just likely. And it's actually a great thing that happens because you have inf- different information coming into a situation which is really useful and really positive and good. And what we all we need to do is find understanding. Mm. So what is it that you think? Can I really hear what you're saying? Can I really understand it? And then can you really hear me and really understand me? And then we have the information. And then with that, we can forge your path forwards but it's I think that idea that it's it's not just likely it's inevitable and the problems happen when we put a lid on what we think and we all have different ways of doing it some of us might just put a lid on the way we think and contain ourselves and somebody else might be really forceful and think this is so can we allow the people that don't let their voices be heard to be really heard and and get the people that are being a bit louder and shouty to to hear more. And once that happens, once we find that ability to hear and be heard, then we're going to find a way forward. So that's been huge. That's... Oh, I think that's slightly changed my world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's good information, isn't that's it? That's really good, yeah. Yeah. Um, what are what are the the sort of plans for the future of Abundant Earth? Is there do you have you know goals you'd like to achieve, or are you sort of happy to see it develop? Or yeah, we're definitely talking a lot about that at the moment. Mm-hmm. It does feel like we're, we're at such a point of shift. Our children at this age, our vision start to move from just treading water, just putting a roof over our heads, putting food into our mouths to, oh, what else is there? 
So it's all current. It's all conversation that's happening at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have just got a big lot of work for probation services, which feels huge. So we're taking in NVC, yoga for the women's group, crafts, which feels so incredible to be taking it to people that it could it could really help nourish mm-hmm. change perspective maybe so that feels a really exciting way to go this is really exciting it's it's what we wanted at the very beginning it's, you know that was yeah. that was one of the main goals just to offer a space where people come and feel safe and be held and learn if they wanted to but really just a place to to nourish people really and that nourishment often just comes from the land and being here you know people often talk about you know just sitting and hearing what's going on about which is mainly birds wind in the, the leaves of the tree you know it's just that quietness that enters a human when when you're just allowed to be in a place of beauty that you know, can be all around us. I mean, and that this place has been set up around that. You know, the houses have been built to encompass nature rather than eradicate it and then build on top of it. It's like be within it. So, yeah, having a having a place that we can offer people that, that gives that, whether it's in the form of Northern Bowl, which is bring people in, give them crafts, or whether it's... You know, there's, there's people going to, there's young kids going to come in with another groups by somebody from outside, and it's just kids that are going to be offered a nature space just to sit and nurture them. So there's there's all sorts of ideas. And we've got them, the classroom at the top, the space at the top, which is being used for various groups. So somebody came to run a natural dye workshop through the week. So probably having the space used by more people, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, in terms of looking forward as well, one of the children, not ours, is living here in a yurt. So developing, interesting to know what um, the next generation's going to look like. Lauren mm. looks like she's here for to stay. So I don't think the community will expand any further, but certainly other people coming and doing projects here looks like more of a possibility. Reaping the benefits of our years of work, eating apples, <laughs> making fruit pies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Enjoying the space as well. You know, had our heads down for so long. Sometimes you know whether it's building a house or whether it's you know, mm. just work mm-hmm. and making it work. It's been tough at times, and it feels like there's a lot of space being offered to us because by doing what we've done we've we've actually got some skills i feel like i've got quite a bit to give people and I, i've never really believed it up until this point I, I felt like an imposter you know i felt you know i've learned a lot of stuff by making a lot of mistakes and that often means that you're a failure in some people's eyes you know you've made a mistake there you obviously don't know what you're doing but actually mistakes are one of our greatest teachers you know so it makes you really think sometimes it can be very hard on the soul that you know you've completely messed up here 
and A, might have cost you lots of money, but it's usually cost you a lot of time. Blood, sweat and tears is a real thing, you know. It's, it really hurts when you make mistakes. But actually, those have brought us so much wisdom and knowledge that uh, they're invaluable. So getting to that point of belief, I think, is also something I feel is really important at the moment. And when you do believe in yourself, when you can offer that wholly and fully, it, it becomes this powerful thing that you've got. And, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just loving the ability to share that and to be valued for sharing that as well. This, the probation work is probably some of the best work that we've got for a long time in that we can offer it to people that are in great need. But also it's some of the best work ever, perhaps, in how it's, it's going to pay us monetarily which usually i don't haven't cared about i've always found money difficult but mm. actually to be able to do some work be paid for it well and then pay that back to the community without having to break yourself you know your skills are valued by society and then we can invest it in hedges woodland you know whatever it is Building work yourself. Rather than having to do all of that work for no money and then do all the extra work on top of it and break yourself. Mm-hmm. So, and it feels a really special place to be through mistakes and hard work and you know, valuing oneself, I suppose. Yeah. And what you've been given. So. And the breaking yourself point is interesting <laughs> because over we have all had quite big health crises over this time because it has been Mm all-consuming and exhausting. Having small children, living in a yurt with an outdoor kitchen, no electric or drinking water or (laughs) anything for many years was hard. And so, yeah, we have all had health crises in the the time. Mm. So we have broken... (laughs) Broken and repaired, and yeah. Yeah, and that repairing is feeling very, very big at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wonderful at the moment, a wonderful space to be in. It's also been very hard, just because we're readjusting our, our mm-hmm. whole community system in some ways. In other ways, it's as stable as it's ever been. But big discussions, and kind of the... The looking into those things that we plastered over before. You talked about how some of us buried, you know, if we had an issue, if we did shout at each other, it was often, there wasn't the skill or the time that we've been talking to. Mm-hmm. So now, 20 years point, we have perhaps brought that back out of the dark again. And it seems almost inappropriate that something from 15 years can be brought up in relation to today. And it's hard for the other person to hear, maybe. But it's so valuable for one person to get that out and finally lay it to rest. Mm-hmm. And it is valuable for the person that's being told it. They're not being told it in a way that's meant to punish them for what happened or you're punishing yourself by saying what you did wrong. Or It's just this, this way of slowly healing from the inexperience that we had at the time to now you know, the skills that we've now gathered. Uh, it feels it feels wonderful on so many levels, yeah. But still, hard work. Mm. And I think within that, taking responsibility for our own journey, our own healing, mm-hmm. and not throwing it around to other people. Mm-hmm. And I think it, we we have all 
we're all about 50, you know, we're, we're in this, <clears throat> at the point of life, uh, reflecting and learning and taking responsibility for ourselves. Mm. Beautiful. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> How, is it possible to, to find a, a sort of best, best moment over the past 25 years, did you say? 21. 21. Yeah. A best moment, eh? Oh, I've got, I, I've got one. But, yeah. We got, Matt and I, we've had a... <clears throat> As we've just been talking about, there's been lots of difficulties, hardships, joys. And we got married. Uh, we've been together for 20, oh, 26, 26 years. Yeah. <laughs> 26 years next weekend. Mm-hmm. And we got married six years ago. And it was about celebrating for lots of reasons. Lots of people said, why, why now? And it was, it was about celebrating so much, like the journey that we'd had as a community as a partnership, the two of us, and a point of really, and, and in a way, the same thing we've been talking about, the whole community, of looking back at what we've been through and then really wanting to come together to look forward and bring together all of our friends, all of our family. And we had our own cathedral, which is down in the woods here, is this gigantic beech tree with its limbs stretched out. So that felt like such a mark of our journey together as a couple and our journey with this project. And yes. Celebration of our friends and community that have been part of our lives. Giving thanks. It felt like a huge gratitude. And I think we called it a gratitude ceremony, didn't we? Something like that. I I might have called it that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yes. And Beth, because Beth also, as part of her many skills, um, is a celebrant. Right. So she was our celebrant. And, yeah, mm -hmm. that was was, was my probably most joyful moment in the last. That was a very joyful moment. What are you going to say then? <laughs> uh, 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 and that was yours as well, wasn't it? <laughs> Obviously, that's my joint, joint number yeah. one. If, uh, if you had to say number two, <laughs> if I had to, I would say. <laughs> uh, no, it was a very beautiful three or four days. Just everyone that's that's helped out in community. Very special. But another very special moment was... Um, was the raising of the first house. Oh, mm. yeah. Yeah, see? It's yeah, you okay. Yeah, okay. Sounds, sounds good. Uh, I mean, for we've been living in yurts and geodomes for quite a while, so we decided to put up the first house, and I had a real hankering to do a, a timber frame, which I'd never done in square timber before. So oak frames, style, big, big timbers. It was oak, yeah. I mean, there's a woodland that's only 14 miles away, uh, and uh, it was having its final thinning. And I got a phone call from someone saying, uh, you should get yourself down to that woodland over there because uh, basically they're chopping down all these amazing trees. It was large, you know, large, like 40 centimetres across, and oak the same, like 40 clear feet of it. Wonderful stuff. 
and they were selling it for firewood and some of it was going off down to Wales to be cut up into the internal fluting. You know, like you have to pulp hardwood, have a mm. hardwood component for these cardboard boxes, that crenellated stuff in the middle oh, right, of the tube. Yeah. That, so that all of this wood was getting sent to, to Wales to get pulped up. And all of a sudden, the gas subsidy was taken off by the government and it wasn't worthwhile. So mm. they were stuck with all these trees that they didn't know what to do with. They didn't, there was no, no use for them. But it turns out you can make a perfectly good timber frame out of uh, trees like that. It was glorious stuff. And we lived off that for many years because we bought 30 tonnes of rope, 30 tonnes of larch. I, anyway, I made the timber frame for the house. Mm-hmm. Big heavy oak beams. And it, we had a raising day. We had a raising weekend, April the 1st, like, oh God, 16 years ago. We just killed the pigs beforehand as well. Yeah, we, we had, yeah. We had we a, raising pigs and sheep and chickens. and We had these huge sides of bacon. We did. So we invited loads of our friends to come and help put up this frame. Uh, and it was the most glorious weekend. We, we, had, you know, we carried all the bits of wood down communally. Communally, uh, we had people that were great with knots and twining ropes together, winching things up from trees. Glorious, glorious, glorious times. The, just the spirit of everyone coming together and bang, this job got done in two days flat. And, you know, everyone that's there that we loved, you know, and working together. We had this, and this huge Romanian guy, Lucian, uh, Lucian as we called him, Luke. He was there, and at one point there was this massive oak beam that none of us could quite get in. The ropes were at the end of their knots, and so Lucian was called, and he just, he had arms like my legs. <laughs> he was huge from the Carpathian Mountains, and he just stood there, and he lifted this beam up the road. And there it was, it was in. And so this just amazing communal effort. The rope system around all the trees and, full of and love families, and everybody bringing their families. Yeah, kids and we all were over the place. Cooking these huge bacon joints into. Yeah, massive sandwiches at lunchtime. Yeah. Just two days of, yeah, love, basically. Just, and it got it up. There it was, just standing at the end of it. I'd have to show you a film. We've got a little time lapse film. Oh, yes, please. Uh, yeah, well, we've also more than a time lapse as well. There's a time lapse, oh, yes. but there's also like a 14 minute film of, yeah, our friends. They ran a. Uh, Christo. Christo and Holly, they run a uh, community cinema that's, that's run just by love in Newcastle. Still there, the Star and Shadow Cinema in Newcastle. So it's a nice film as well. It's some glorious Americana music behind it and yeah just oh. captures the spirit yeah, I'll show you that, that was definitely a good moment oh, that was just the best moment really. it just it encapsulated what community can be about you mm-hmm. know? just that that giving when it's required you know just the joy of it as well brilliant we have been so dependent on our friends that we have, we used to live in Newcastle, so there's a lot of friends that still live in the city and are really happy to come and help and be part of it. And that was, yeah, that moment was quite special. Yeah, it's interesting you say that you've been dependent on them because I would imagine hmm. they would get an awful lot from that experience themselves. Yeah, uh, yes, I hear they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's a, a, a precious relationships. Yeah. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it works both ways. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I'm constantly humbled by people saying that. You know, recently I wanted to, my sawmilling, I wanted to reinvest in the sawmill, but even though we're doing better these days, you know, a £20,000 investment in a sawmill is a really big thing. A bit of machinery, you know yourself, you just bought a big mixer, haven't you? It's, mm. it's quite a big decision. And I was unable to do it by myself. And I I talked to a friend, we were just talking about five years, what are we going to do in the next five years? And it turned out that he said, you know, oh, don't go for finance because finance is quite harsh on the repayments. He said, I'll lend you it, you know. You've given me so much over the years. I've got spare money in the bank account. And so I managed to finance it just from these friends that have helped over the years. And they were saying that I'd help them as much as... And, you know, wow, that just feels beautiful. And so all the money for the sawmill has just been loaned, no interest again. And they're just so happy to do it because this land, this place has fed them as well as them having fed us they're giving yeah constantly humbling that oh my goodness yes thank you joe and matt uh thank you everyone at abundant earth uh thank you everyone who attends the northern bowl uh, which is hosted up there on their land outside of Durham. It really is a special collection of people uh, that get together to create not just woodcraft, but music. I mean, really, it's community. Uh, it is a really special event. Uh, do get along if you can. So there are links in the show notes, links to Joe and Matt's Instagram pages, to abundant earth uh, nvc was mentioned non-violent communication there's a link to that check that out it's a really great communication uh, sort of framework i guess you call it co-ops uk um i've put in a link to cuk which is the somatic experiencing association um if you're interested in that uh links to northern bowl and to woof uh <laughs> which is willing workers on organic farms. Uh, I didn't sort of, I sort of caught myself a little bit off guard there by how much I enjoyed (laughs) saying woof. If this is your first episode and you're still listening, uh, then please do subscribe and don't miss any future episodes. And check back through the uh, the previous 100 episodes. Um, if this was particularly your thing, then definitely check out episode two with Chris Vernon, all about the One Planet development in Wales. Um, so, yes, you've got right to the end of the podcast, which means you are clearly part of the A-team. Uh, I'm buttering you up because I'm going to ask you to share this episode. Uh, it really helps so much to get more ears hearing these hopefully valuable conversations um so thank you very much um finally finally uh is just to say if you find this podcast useful entertaining or some other reason i can possibly understand then do consider supporting via the patron uh link in the show notes uh your support helps me out so so much and you get loads more little nuggets of uh, of information from the guests as a thank you Okay, 
That is all from me. Thank you so much for your ears. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have loved listening to it. Uh, We'll be back soon with more Joe and Matt to talk about their Strawberry House. But until then, see you bye.